0: Hi, everyone. Today, I am joined with Pam Hoffy who's the managing director at Avalon Waterways. How are you, Pam, in this weird time?
1: I'm doing well. Thanks, Britton. It's nice to talk to you again.
0: Yeah, you too. And, and Pam was on our webinar a couple weeks ago. Some of you may have seen that. And then we also have an interview back from December of 2018, if you really want to travel backward. Um, so today, we're going to talk about two things. We're going to talk about the impact of uh, Covid nineteen, also known as coronavirus, on Avalon Waterways and on kind of the river cruise industry in general. But then also we want to be positive, and we want to look ahead for twenty twenty one. So we will talk about what's happening with Avalon in the future um, at the second half of this. What? So so in in that theme, what impact has COVID-19 had on Avalon waterways? And what what steps have you all taken thus far?
1: Uh, well, sure, you know, there's no denying that COVID-19 has had an impact. I think that anyone who is involved in travel will, will say that this is, um, you know, it, the largest impact we've seen on the industry at least in my career, which spans over 25 years. Um, You know, and that's not to downplay the impact of 9-11 or the importance of that. I just think that this is quite different. It's required a lot of different thinking, um, um, maybe less of a feeling of certainty of of the decisions that we're making and what we need to do and how to move forward. Um, So it has had an impact. Uh, You know, as the crisis began unfolding in January and February, Uh, We started pretty early in making alterations to accommodate our travelers. We were really trying to keep their health and safety at the top of our mind. We started with suspending all travel um, to and through China, putting limitations on our tours and cruises to anybody who had traveled within China. And then later that went into if they'd been to Italy or other places within um, certain countries within Asia. And then as things continued to develop Um, in mid-March as countries worldwide began reporting cases and concerns. That was when we made the decision to suspend operations. So that was probably when the bigger impacts started to come into play. So at that time for Avalon, we were pretty lucky in that we were only operating sailings on the Mekong and on the Amazon. Our European springtime sailings hadn't really begun yet. So we didn't have to repatriate a lot of guests traveling with Avalon um, like we did with our touring brands. Uh, you know, We're part of the Globus family of brands and we did have quite a lot of travelers on those brands. But for Avalon, the impact wasn't quite as large. Um, Probably our biggest challenge was in Peru. That country just made a decision to close very quickly Mm -hmm. and that they were going to close that day basically and nobody could um, come or go after that point point. the airport was closing. So we actually had to charter a flight from Lima to Miami To ensure that we could get our guests out of the country before the borders were closed for weeks with no planes coming or going. Um, So, you know, in many ways, we were fortunate that the pandemic um, hit earlier rather than in the heart of our travel season Mm -hmm. where it would have could have been a lot worse. Um, So, in terms of impact, you know, this I think that the this is um, a stop sign in front of us. It's been unnatural. We're used to planning um, vacations, selling vacations, and uh, operating them and, you know, fulfilling dreams that people have have, uh, made with us. And we're in a position where we're not doing that, but we're a long-term business. We've worked really hard to accommodate our travelers who've been affected by suspended tours and cruises and really pivoting our culture to prepare for when travel returns and um, be ready with all of the right protocols in place.
0: And, you know, there there's so much that goes into these into into being able to suspend sailings. And, and as you said, looking at the protocols and I, I also commend you for, you know, saying that you chartered that fright, flight from Peru because we've heard so many stories, not so many stories, but a few stories of of cruise passengers just getting stuck places and uh, being made to kind of make their own travel arrangements and figure things out by by themselves. So that's great. Um but as far as you know, suspending operations and having people cancel cruises, can you talk, or uh, having to rebook, uh, can you talk a little bit about your, your policies there? Because I know that you kind of have made it really easy for people who, who need to change their plans or had their plans changed because of all of this.
1: Sure, well, um, that was our goal. So thank you for saying that it um, felt like we made it easy. <laughs> We really decided immediately that it was important to give our travelers options to fit their needs, um, most importantly their comfort levels and still allow them to fulfill their their trip when the time felt right for them. So before we even suspended our, our operations, we developed what we um, named our peace of mind plan, which allowed guests, who were outside of final payment, the ability to move their date to a future date without any penalty from us. Um, so that was pretty early in, in um, in I would guess, maybe February that we we developed the Peace of Mind plan. That actually evolved into us extending our final payment deadlines, which allows guests to take a real wait-and-see approach to see what's happening. Instead of having to react really quickly in a time of uncertainty, mm-hmm. um, the Avalon Uh, final payment uh, timeline in the past had been 90 days we moved it up to three days prior to Mm -hmm. allow guests to really you know um, take a look and and be in a better position to decide decide for them if they wanted to travel or not or or change their plans Um, so we have seen quite a few people take advantage of the peace of mind plan and move their travel to a later date uh, so in mid-March, uh, we suspended operations, as I said, for all of our brands through April 30th. And we were really quick to extend that to June 30th. Uh, It was just really clear we wouldn't be able to fulfill vacations for our travelers, and it was just really important to us to relay that information to them quickly. Uh, We wanted our guests and their travel advisors to have a lot of notice, uh, have the opportunity to to adjust their travel plans to the future. We had an incentive um, for them to be able to adjust their travel plans, and we heard from so many advisors and from guests how much it meant to them that we made the decision early. We gave them a firm direction to work from. Um, to me, I think what was most important is we gave people a point of certainty in a really uncertain situation by making that decision so early, and that's something that really matters um, mattered especially at that time, and it's something we're really proud of. So we're um, we're making a decision very soon, um, probably today, actually, (laughs) about July, and we'll be sharing those uh, future plans and decisions um, as quickly and transparently as we can for the same reasons as above. We want to we want to uh, keep people informed and give them uh, choices for the future.
0: Yeah, and it it is it is so difficult to to look that far into the future, because who knows what's going to happen then. It's I said this on a webinar the other day, that I can't even tell you the next time I'm going to be allowed to invite a friend over. So how can I tell you when I'm going to be able to cruise? So so having that kind of flexibility and saying, you know, well, let's keep our cruise that's booked for... December or Christmas cruise and, and just see wait be able to wait and see what happens instead of feeling that pressure to make a decision because so much can change by then, especially with these talks of vaccines coming and uh, seeing better results with certain treatment plans. And so I think that that's just really commendable that, that you've been able to, to make that easy and not have people making decisions that, quite frankly, they aren't able to make in a way that's Uh, researched or you know informed because we can't
1: absolutely and as you said so much is changing and so much is changing daily just in terms of what's possible in terms of travel within Europe as well and so we're just so closely monitoring that and, um, and making the right decisions based on what we know there. And you're absolutely right, just uh, in terms of uh, what you said is so perfect that you, you don't even know when you can have a friend over, let alone uh, when you're going to be able to travel next. And so we really did want to make it easy for people to feel comfortable in waiting on that decision and not worried that that they had to make a decision too quickly and give them the time to make that decision with as much information as they can.
0: But but there there are also decisions that need to be made, you know, people looking for for cruises in 2021, people who are eager to get back on ships. So there's a little bit, it's a little bit difficult, because you don't want to feel like you're pushing information onto people and and kind of trying to market and sell, but at the same time, you want people to be excited for next year and you want people to be excited to travel again and have something to look forward to. So how are you communicating, you know, with your passengers and with the agents that you work with and with the people in the industry during this time of pause? What What is Avalon really doing and, and working toward?
1: So we we talked very carefully about, you know, what's the right way to communicate to this during this um, pause as as we're calling it. And I think as most people are, are thinking about it and to us right now is the right time to connect with each other. And I know that I've taken this time personally to connect with, to reconnect with friends I've lost touch with over the years, see how they're doing, you know, not commuting to work and not traveling has really given me a lot more time every day to do these kind of things. Um, I haven't stopped dreaming about travel and where I'll go next, and we realized that we were pretty sure that our travelers, who are travelers, you know, the people who travel with Avalon, uh, aren't that different from all of us, and they're thinking about where they're going next and dreaming, even while they're at home and doing the right thing um, you know, to take care of themselves. So our key marketing messages have been to connect with our guests and encourage them to dream. So, um, you know, we wanted to help people relive their memories from their past trips and to dream of their future trips and the memories that are waiting for them. So we created a campaign called Dreaming Doesn't Stop. And we did a video that um, we got a really, really a lot of positive feedback about. It's available on our, our websites and through our social media channels. And we followed up um, that video with a lot of really fun ways to let our guests. Um, let their minds wander and explore the world, Um, taking people into castles, different canyons from different, uh, exploring different artwork in different museums around the world, seeing different performances all from their homes. So it's really been a fun way to engage with people and connect with, with our guests. While we can't have them on board our ships, uh, at least we could still connect with them in this way. Yeah. Another Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah,
0: I just that that is great was all that I was going to say.
1: Oh, thanks. Um, I was just going to also mention, you know, we also have our team of business development managers who've been in touch with our travel advisor partners. We're still hosting a lot of training sessions and even some consumer travel events that are all virtual um, you know, travel advisors are, I think, are really taking advantage of this um, pause to do tons of training, and there's a real thirst for knowledge and training. Um, if you happen to be an advisor listening to this, um, did you know that all of the Avalon uh, Waterways learning is even mobile, so you can take it with your cell phone or your uh, or your uh, iPad and go out in your backyard and enjoy spring and become an Avalon waterways specialist so it's really easy uh, to take advantage of that and I know that that's a lot of that is happening.
0: Yeah, it in, in this shift to this shift to virtual learning and and talking over video is is kind of uncomfortable but it sounds like that you know you're giving people especially the travelers as you said with the with these videos you're giving them the experience that they want, it's not like you're, you're kind of pushing something onto them that's completely new, but, but giving them the opportunity to explore the world virtually, which is what they want to do anyway. So uh, I know that we're eager to get people back on the rivers, but it's nice to be able to share any sort of travel insights or perspectives that we have with people on any media. So that's really lovely.
1: Well, thanks. And you guys have done a great job uh, with that too. I've enjoyed taking part in a lot of your uh, events that you've been hosting, bringing people together. So thanks for for doing that uh, as well with River Cruise Advisor.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Um, And, you know, this is kind of a shift, but I want to talk about, speaking of River Cruise Advisor, some of the surveys that we've been doing um, on both Avid Cruiser, which is our ocean cruise site and River Cruise Advisor, where people are saying, you know, that they're really eager to get back on river ships and even on the ocean cruise sites, most people, most people who have said, that they want to cruise again, we have seen an extreme number of people on the ocean cruise sites who say that one of the first places that they would cruise is the rivers of Europe and who are going to be able to river cruise or to start river cruising or, or are eager to do it again. So especially in terms of people coming from ocean ships, which maybe they're not comfortable on big ships anymore that want that small ship experience. Why is river cruising and Avalon specifically a good option for those travelers?
1: Well, you know, we are hearing the same thing from uh, a lot of our, our guests, from advisors, that there's a belief um, that river cruising um, is is going to uh, return most likely uh, more quickly. Um, so, you know, the difference is Of course, our ocean and river both sail on water. But beyond that, they're pretty different experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of the big differences, of course, is the size of the vessels, the space on board. And Avalon in particular, the space is especially unique. And I can talk about that. Um, How close you are to land, I think, is an important um, aspect that probably is driving people to think about about river and then um, the destination focused itineraries and taking people off the beaten path and where we travel to are probably some of the reasons that I'm hearing. So we can can start talking about size and space on board. Avalon ships range in size from just 36 guests on our Mekong ships to either 128 or 166 guests in Europe. So that's a pretty small number of people. It allows um, for easier social distancing. Um, We also offer 80% of our um, of our rooms on our ships are 200 square foot uh, panorama suites, which are what uh, feature something that we call an open air balcony, which is an entire 11 foot wall. Of floor-to-ceiling um, wall-to-wall window that opens seven feet to turn your entire room into a balcony. Um, so that really creates a great escape for travelers and allows them to have a place to go to if you want to have time on your own and have a space of your own that's really ideal and enjoyable versus um you know, feeling like you might be trapped if you wanted to go into a room and feel like you're in a small space. You really have a luxurious space to get away to if you wanted to to go and relax in in your stateroom. So um, that's really one of the advantages of Avalon ships are our panorama suites for sure. But in general, even with the, even with the public space on board our ship. There is really a lot of public space per passenger. Mm -hmm. Um, The other proximity, the other piece that I talked about was proximity to land. Uh, You know, we're never out at sea. Um, We also are able to dock right into the center of towns. And on most of our excursions, travelers walk right off of the ship into towns, um, either part of a guided uh, visit um, or even on their own. Uh, a lot of our stops are quaint villages, town squares, and off the beaten path. So, um, you know, you're never, like I said, out at sea. In fact, we usually measure our distance away from land in yards or meters from the shore, if that's how close you are. Yeah,
0: and I think that people who haven't river Cruise don't don't know that. Like, there was a question in our webinar the other day that was, that was asking about medical staff on board moving forward on board river ships, and. You know, we were all kind of like, well, you don't really need it because you're close enough to land that, you know, we were on a Danube cruise and one of the women fell and had to go to the hospital. And like in 20 minutes, she was in a hospital in Vienna. So... (laughs) Yeah, just... no,
1: absolutely. And and um, that's exactly why we don't have medical services on board. We have crew who are trained in, um, you know, first aid and medical response. But the reality is you're never very far from medical services. And we can pretty much pull our ships over uh, at so many locations that and evacuate to a hospital that it's that it's quite easy and um, better medical care than having um, a medical service on board.
0: Yeah, and speaking a little bit more to like safety and cleanliness, you know, there have been discussion about taking buffets off of ships. And there, there are many, many measures that cruise uh, companies are taking. So what what is Avalon doing to uh, ensure the the safety of passengers when when you are able to resume sailing?
1: Uh, well, we have put, put in place um, an Avalon Assurance um, Task Force that's putting together um, guidelines right now, and there are a lot of things that we're looking at that take our incredibly strict cleaning guidelines that we've always had in place even further. So, you know, we've always had in place the things that everyone would ex- would expect. So housekeeping always sanitize their hands before entering a stateroom. New cloths are used in every stateroom, and those cloths are color-coded, so they avoid cross-contamination between rooms and even within a room. Mm. We're constantly sanitizing handrails in public areas to avoid the spread of disease. We already have hand-sanitizing systems all over our ship for guests to use, we'll be adding more of those. Um, We already have extremely strict food preparation and delivery standards, but the reality is that that just isn't enough anymore. Um, so this task force is um, developing the plans that will take that even further. So some of the things we're looking at and why I say we're still looking at is that um, we're still just investigating which of these um, types of new technology that we're planning to bring on board is is going to be the, the most effective for us. So some of the things are um, either electrostatic spraying systems, um, which can rapidly and effectively sanitize um, uh, sanitize uh, larger spaces more efficiently. We're looking at UV sanitizing systems, even ozone sanitizing systems. Um, there are so many options out in the market. And as you can imagine, a lot of these companies are very busy, as uh-huh. every hotel, hotelier, motor coach company, um, any public area is looking at these type of, of new technologies to help them uh, or I should say um, not all of them are new, but uh, at at investing in this type of technology to help them to be even more effective in their cleaning. So we're just investigating that. We're also obviously very concerned about our environmental footprint at the same time and investigating how we can do this um, while keeping our environmental footprint uh, in the same way that we want it to be and still using um, disinfectants that uh, That take care of uh, and kill the coronavirus, which is super important. And so we are ensuring that all of that is in place. Um, We also have have put into place that we will be um, doing deep disinfection, of course, between every cruise. So. but every good that gets loaded on board will be disinfected including passenger luggage Uh, we'll be doing deeper cleaning and disinfection of the staterooms between guests things like sanitizing soft goods mattresses pillows sofas window coverings um, hangers things that probably people didn't think about in the past needing sanitizing all of that um, will be done Uh, We're also looking at addressing how we ensure a healthy community on board. So health questionnaires prior to sailing, potentially testing prior to sailing. Um, At the very least, temperature uh, checks daily for crew. Um, We're looking at infrared scanners that will, you know, vary... Discreetly check uh, people's temperatures as they come on board the ship. So there are a lot of new technology, uh, new ways of technology that we can we can do these things. Uh, you mentioned buffets. I do think uh, buffets will not be in place. Uh, I think that's a reality. But the good news is we can replace buffets with uh, crew service and uh, eliminate a lot of uh, a lot of hand touched items that certainly were. Uh, favorites in the past like some of the snacks around the ship and have them served by crew and so guests won't miss any of the things that they loved in the past they'll just be delivered in a different way with a smile from the crew Mm.
0: and and I think that like when you're talking about all of these uh, cleaning techniques and all of these technologies it's like I know people who still aren't wiping down their groceries when they get home from the grocery store or maybe you don't feel like you need to. I mean, that there's so much debate about all of this anyway. So, it seems like when we're talking about ships, we we have such high expectations, but in reality, like you you're going to be doing more and probably already are than I'm doing in my home right now. Um so, I think that well, that's Well, you know, that's
1: that's our um that's our we're, that's what we need to do it's our mm-hmm. responsibility to do everything that we can and that's what we'll be doing
0: of course yeah but i i just think that it's important to, to tell people that ships are not this scary environment that they've been made out to be recently there there are measures that have always been taken and obviously now they're going to be taken further but i i just think that it's so important because there has been so much dwelling on the fact that ships are are petri dishes for this type of thing. And in reality, there there's so much more behind the scenes that we we may not have questioned before yeah. all of this.
1: No, I, I appreciate you saying that. And one thing that, um, you know, I, I actually should talk about that, that I didn't mention, and that I've been asked about multiple times, um, through, through emails that came from consumers was what our air system is mm-hmm. like on board. So I think that's, that's something that, Um, People want to know, and uh, this is a really important thing about how Avalon ships are built, is that the air in our staterooms does not circulate between staterooms. It recirculates within an individual stateroom, mixing with outside fresh air only. Um, So that's another um, reason why um, our ships, you know, we are... We're very fortunate that our ships were built that way and we don't have to do any redesign <laughs> to avoid mixing of stateroom air, um, which is one of the things that is being talked about as, um, as a way to avoid um, people getting sick in closed environments is, you know, if air moves between state rooms. And we're very fortunate that our ships are already built, where air does not move between staterooms. So I have been asked that question a couple of times. So it obviously matters. So I figured I might as well uh, mention it here as long as we're talking about health on board. Yeah,
0: we've had a lot of readers ask about that as well. So that's, that's good to know. Is there anything else COVID related that you think that we should talk about? Or should we talk about 2021?
1: No, I, I think we covered um, we covered most things COVID related. I think what's uh, the big question that is on everyone's mind is when will we start sailing? And, and um, at this moment, we have suspended through the end of June, and I I don't know uh, the answer beyond that. Other than we're you know we're closely monitoring and we will be making decisions about July and beyond very soon and we'll keep we'll keep our, our guests posted on that so I think that's that's it thank you for the opportunity to talk through that and more importantly for the opportunity to look ahead as I think that that's um, that's where uh, that's where we get into the the lighter and uh, hopefully. Uh, better <laughs> more fun part of the conversation right
0: yeah, well i'll put the timestamp there just in case anyone is done hearing about coronavirus and they can just get toward the the 2021 um so yeah i mean 2021 what are you what trends are you seeing how is 2021 faring how are bookings you know just in general what What's the 2021 vibe for Avalon?
1: Yeah. So we actually are doing very well. Um, There is a demand for travel. Uh, We already talked about people are dreaming of their next trip while staying home during this pause. Um, So obviously, um, you know, I said I was. Many of our Avalon guests obviously are, too. I, I would... Not want to think that this is not, this is totally natural. Of course, we recognize that a lot of these bookings are guests who've rebooked from 2020 into 2021. But even if we take those out, we do have bookings that are people who are not um, rebookings from 2020. So there is demand for travel and people are wanting to travel in, in uh, 2021. But when we look, we are about 30% ahead of where we were in 2020 or in 2019 for 2020, if we look at where we are today for 2021. So uh, it's, it's very encouraging um, to, to see that and to see that there is demand
0: and I know that you've sent out a few press releases cuz you have some exciting things happening in 2021. Um and I will I will attach those in the newsletter with this interview so if you want to read more about them listeners you can. Um but what's what are you excited about for 2021? Are there new itineraries and destinations? Are there new what's new? So
1: um I'm always excited when we bring new ports into our family, and uh, I will I will call it bringing them into our family because um, developing a new port and working with a new port really is like bringing them into our family because typically um, when we're adding new ports, quite often they're ports that aren't visited um, by by other um Cruise lines that are that are within that are marketing to the same markets we market to Mm -hmm. so it's exciting to work with those communities to develop a an excursion program Um, and so i'm really excited about that we've added five new ports on the danube river in 2021 quite a few of them are on the lower danube and help to support a new itinerary we've built on that section of the river um, we already had uh, two cruises um, that sailed on the Lower Danube between Budapest and Bucharest, uh, one in each direction, going through Hungary, Croatia, Serbia, Bulgaria, and Romania. And we've added a new version of uh, of this cruise that is going to start in Zagreb with a night in a hotel and then travel the next day to the port of Osijek in Croatia and sail down to Bucharest or reverse. Um, It's going to be in just six nights. So it's a six night cruise, which gives plenty of time for guests to add um, the super popular extension that we have when we end in Bucharest, going into Transylvania, mm-hmm. where we do uh, an exclusive evening tour of Brand Castle, uh, of course, which is a Drac- Dracula lore and we have dinner there, and that's just a really popular extension. So having a six night cruise gives plenty of time for that extra that night at the beginning in Zagreb. And then uh, the time at the end to add Transylvania um, and make it about a ten night trip which is um, which is what we find is pretty much uh, about the time that most North Americans are are taking for their for their trips to Europe so that's one I'm really excited. I'm also really excited about the Moselle River for twenty twenty one I talk about the Moselle all the time because I really love it, <laughs> but for 2021, um, at a time when people want to escape crowds potentially, I really think that this is the river to think about and to consider. Um, I don't know if you've sailed the Moselle yet. Um, I know that Ralph has. Um, yes. I've taken Ralph on the Moselle. Yes. So, um, you know, it winds through small villages with half-timbered buildings. Um, vineyards climb up from the riverbanks to admire as you sail past them and obviously sample as you explore. So um, they're great, fantastic local wines and just um, beautiful small villages that weren't touched during World War II. And so you just really find a lot of history and, um, and uh, beautiful ports to explore along the Moselle.
0: That's a favorite of Ralph's too, I mean, speaking of. So I'm sure that a lot of our our readers and listeners are very familiar because he did a sailing last fall and there were so many pictures and it it was just so beautiful. And I have not had the opportunity to sail the Moselle, but it it looks amazing and it's very picturesque for sure.
1: It is. It it is definitely one of the... um most beautiful rivers that we sail on and it's um we actually do some photography themed special event cruises and the woman who leads them actually chose the moselle as her as where she wanted to do a cruise next year and in the fall because she had been doing some research on where some great photography could happen so um that really does say a lot just in terms of the opportunities there yeah. For beautiful landscapes and, and uh and picturesque scenery as well.
0: And I wanna circle back to something that you said when you were talking about the lower Danube was that, you know, when you have this six six night sailing and then you have the time to build it into the kind of this ten day uh, journey, which is, as you said, kind of the average length of time or what you see people like the most. But Avalon also has these shorter sailings as well. And I think that it's important that we talk about those, because there aren't many companies that do those, and they're easy to combine or to add on to something else. Um, if you want to touch on those for a second?
1: Sure. Um, uh, absolutely. The short sailings I, are something that is pretty unique to Avalon. And we started I would say about ten years ago, with our taste of the Danube cruises, and those are three nights, and they sail between Vienna and Budapest. Um, so you get three world capitals of uh, Vienna, uh, Bratislava, and Budapest in a very short cruise. You also sail through the wachau Valley. Um, it's really a great little taste of the Danube and a taste of river cruising and the idea behind it was exactly that to offer to people who maybe weren't ready to um, commit to a week on the rivers or maybe didn't have the budget to commit to a week on the rivers also this opportunity to try it and um, and then know that it was for them in the future and bring them back and bring them back to Avalon, of course, um, for their next trip once they had tried it and fell in love. And so um, it certainly has proven successful. And the reality is most people are not obviously going to Europe for a three-night cruise um, only. They are doing that as part of a bigger trip. Mm -hmm. And with Avalon, we offer uh, pre- and post Days on land that you can combine with it and we also found lots of people are you know building their own trip around it uh, which is certainly easy to do and uh, a great way to build a bigger vacation and have this great little luxurious river cruise as a piece of it so that was kind of the starting point of of our short and sweet cruises as we call them. Uh, we've since expanded upon that and, uh, and added our Taste of the Rhine cruise, which is four nights uh, between Amsterdam and Frankfurt and um, seeing the highlights of the Rhine River, including the Rhine Gorge and obviously great cities again on both ends and visiting uh, Cologne as well. And Rudesheim, so, you know, again, a great itinerary and a taste of the Rhine River. We also have a five-night cruise on the Danube that goes a little bit further um, than Vienna, so also sailing from Budapest but going all the way to Deggendorf in Germany and adding a few more stops and a little bit more, um, obviously, with those extra two days. And um, we also have a five-night cruise on the Mine River sailing between Frankfurt and Nuremberg. Uh, so uh, that one is probably not a first-time cruiser who's um, trying their first river. That's usually not the first place people people uh, river cruise. It's usually the, the Rhine or the Danube. But the, the Mine River, this, these are great ports um, for somebody who's maybe already done the um, the Rhine or the Danube and wants to come and try a new river sailing between, um, Frankfurt and Nuremberg and seeing all these fantastic, uh, towns along the
0: mine. And,
1: uh, it's really a great next cruise for them as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, you said something about budget as well. You know, maybe they want to try a river cruise and maybe there's something, um, maybe this is more a more budget friendly option for people because it's shorter you're not paying for as long of a trip um but that also kind of always brings me to young people and the more and more that I river cruise and the longer that I've been river cruising the more young people I've been seeing on board and i don't mean young people my age 20 in their 20s i mean young people 30s 40s 50s even because for so long when I was river cruising I was river cruising with 70 year olds which is great I love I loved that but do you see an opportunity for to bring a younger demographic to your ships and to the rivers when travel returns
1: well I I tend to agree with you that I think there already are younger people who are river cruising and we're definitely seeing that. Um, we have a style of river cruise that is um, attracting that younger demographic um, called our active and discovery cruises and we can certainly talk about those um, in a moment and I can focus more on the on the younger um, question first. So um, I do think it's already happening. It's especially happening with those active and discovery cruises. Um, as we talked about already, we believe that small ship and river will probably be the first segments returning in cruising. And we know that cruising is hugely popular and popular wa- among a wide range of people. So um, if if those people are not 100 percent sure of going on a large ship, I do think there will be a lot of people who are interested in trying something um, new and maybe trying river is um, something that they'll that they'll look look to. And you know, River cruising has also changed a lot in order to attract. Um, attract a different demographic. I'm in my late 40s. And I certainly don't feel like I'm the youngest person on board. There are plenty of people my age when I river cruise with Avalon. Um, and when I take one of our active discovery cruises, I'm right among my peers quite often with plenty of people in my age range, a lot of people in their, you know, 50s, um, as well, and lots of multi generational. So, you know, people my age with their kids and with their parents who all you know, find something different to do on those active and discovery cruises. So um, I I do see that there are opportunities. And as as I said, as we've evolved our itineraries to include more things that attract younger people, as it's become clear, because thanks to travel advisors who have fallen in love with this style, and who have uh, been on the trips and know that you know it's it's not something it's not a sedentary way to travel unless you want it to be if you want it to be a sedentary trip it certainly can be you can stay on board relax enjoy the scenery um the tri- the trips going into port can be um quite tame if you want them to be and if you want to want it to be you can grab a bike and go out biking all day you, uh, and the bikes are there for the taking on board uh, at no extra cost. We have bikes on board our ships. You can even take a bike and ride from one port to the next port if you wanted to, um, because the ship's sailing, um, you know, from one place to another. And um, if you have a really fun captain, he might tell you to race the ship like I've had happen <laughs> where i raced the ship to the next port. Um, you know, so there are, It doesn't have to be a sedentary trip by any means. Uh, And so I really think that that is being communicated and it's becoming very clear to younger people.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, that's something that we always do too, is like when I'm traveling, when I'm traveling alone, I I love doing any sort of active tour. But even when I'm traveling with my dad, who sorry to say this, Ralph is in his early 60s. um, Sorry to out his age to everyone. But you know we bike after dinner we bike we bike from from port to port and it's always just something that's very fun to do and it is it river cruising i think the thing that's so special about it is that there are young people who don't like to bike and who don't want to be active and who want to eat and go uh do walking tours or there is really something for everyone though and it's not always about an age group it's it's about a mindset And so I think that that's what river cruising solves, is that there's something for every type of traveler, not necessarily every age of traveler or every demographic.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree with you. That's a great summary.
0: And as uh, as many times as you said, active in discovery, I know that that's one thing that you really like, those active discovery cruises. (laughs) Do you want to tell me more about them and? And why you really? like them you so tell much? that I like them. I, yeah, I mean, <laughs>
1: so just um, a wild I guess mean, for me. <laughs> for me personally, they are um, what they're just built to do the things that I love and that I'm passionate about. So I probably do talk about them a little bit more than they might even deserve in terms of the mix of what they are in our business. But but they're really important to me and they're what I love to do. So, you know, they are cruises that are just built differently um, from the way that the itinerary is built to the excursions. So the itineraries um, are built to give a lot more time in port uh, in order to have more time to do all of these excursions that we've built in. Um, And then they also are built to sail the most scenic parts of the river during the day, which is great because if you're out um, doing things um, in the morning and in the afternoon, it's really nice to have a a break in the day of a beautiful stretch of sailing um, and, you know, to relax, have a drink on the deck, uh, do a yoga class maybe on the deck, whatever it may be that you choose to do and how you want to spend that time sailing through um, these beautiful stretches of the river so um, you know it's really great viewing opportunities which our ships are just built for with our panorama suites that have the beds facing the view and every other aspect of our ships are really built around experiencing the view so we talked about how the itineraries are different um, they're, they're built for people who want to do more, not just see more on their vacations. Um, they all feature a lot of choices of excursions. Um, we've built them into categories uh, that we've kind of classified every excursion into a category. So uh, every day there is a choice of a discovery excursion, an active excursion and a class of, uh, an active excursion and a classic excursion. So um, when people hear this, they automatically think that it's an active cruise, mm. that if you aren't um, biking and hiking and kayaking, that this is not the trip for you, which is not the case. So um, there are choices in every port. Um, discovery um, trips are things like wine tasting, cooking classes, um, meeting with uh, local artists and learning um, and doing painting classes, which I know Ralph loved. He talks yeah. about all the time the, the painting class that we did in Amsterdam, learning about Van Gogh and Van Gogh's time in Amsterdam and then um, painting in the style of Van Gogh. Uh, there are uh, in-depth museum visits that you do after a city tour tour. So you're still seeing the city and experiencing the city, but getting this added discovery element as a piece of it. Um, So you might do a walking tour of Vienna and then go and learn how to um, bake the Viennese rolls at the end of that walking tour. Um, So that's the discovery type experience. And then the active are exactly what um, we talked about. So there are biking excursions that take you – to tour the the city or the village um, by bicycle. There are hikes, there are um, canoeing trips along the Danube. So uh, I've canoed in lots of different places along the Danube and in different, uh, uh, on the road also um, biking across the Pont de Garde in Avignon. So really great excursions. We also biked a little stretch of the of the uh tour de france uh, route which was super fun and uh, it was right after the the tour had been through so people were excited about that and then last are our classic excursions so everything that you would expect from a river cruise the opportunity um to go and see a, a city or the village with a local guide we have that choice too so you know these these um these cruises have something for everyone Um, you don't have to be active um, for this cruise you just have to like to do things and have a variety of choices and that's why they are really great for families as well that everybody can everybody can have a, a choice of what they do and then you come back together at night and share your experiences, which uh, we, when I've been on these a few times, there's always, there always have been some families on board, which has been really fun uh, to sail with, to sail with those groups. So yeah, um, We've got the Danube, we've got the Rhine, and we have the Rhone. We've had those for the last few years. And in 2021, we're adding our fourth active and discovery cruise. This one will be in Holland and Belgium. It's a seven-night cruise round-trip Amsterdam. And some of the unique excursions that I'm most excited about, um, one of the discovery ones is doing a graffiti street art tour in Ghent, where at the end of the tour, you actually get to add to the graffiti, which is I think really a fun thing to That's get to do. So very you get, cool. you know, yeah. So you get to, you know, experience Ghent and learn about Ghent, and then this culture of graffiti, street art, and take part of it and and uh, make some. There's also a chocolate making um, class in Brussels. Uh, we have four different biking excursions because, of course, biking is a huge part of the culture in Holland and Belgium. Um, there's one going around to see the unique architecture of um, Rotterdam. So um, that's that's a, a big piece of this trip will be the biking excursion. The painting workshop that we talked about that I did with your dad in Amsterdam. So a lot of really fun Excursions are built into this um, active and discovery in Holland and Belgium.
0: And I know that I've said this. I at least said this on the webinar. But you know that was something that I was really looking forward to doing this year was going on an active discovery cruise, and it was something that we had talked about. But I just, you know, when I was looking at those itineraries and kind of deciding which one I would do or wanted to do, I thought if I were going to tell my if my grandmother came to me and said, I want to do a cruise and I want to take you and I want to take your mom and I want to take your brother, that would be the the style of cruise that I would take. Because as you said, it's not just about being active. Like my grandmother can't, ride a bike still but she can go and on a wine tasting or she can go you know and so I think that that multi generation, multi-generational aspect of that is so important to talk about as well which you did of course at the end but just to kind of reiterate that is that even across like three three generations it would work so
1: yeah and it has that is actually what I have noticed um, the most of is three generations on uh, the acronym discovery. Obviously, um, parents with their with their children as well, but it's mostly been three generations that I have uh, sailed with on the the few that I've done when I, you know, I've, I've been three or four times now on these cruises um, and that's mostly what I've seen is, is multi-generational with three generations, which is a lot of fun. And I do want to, want to just say our, we do have a minimum age of eight on board our ships. um, So these aren't for small children uh, with the type of excursions we have, they really are the best fit for older kids, um, you know, young teenagers, um, and that or teenage age is really the best fit mm-hmm. or even college students mm-hmm. and their parents and grandparents really is a good fit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm, I'm, I'm fresh out of college age. So that's like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I see for my family. Um,
1: Perfect.
0: And lastly, I know that with the COVID questions, we kind of talked when we were talking about safety and cleanliness, we were also talking about, we mentioned some of the sustainability efforts that Avalon had taken. Um, and so that will be kind of the last thing that we talk about here is that uh, la- in the last year you announced a partnership with ocean cleanup as part of your efforts to go green and and to be sustain a more sustainable company. What else are you doing? And is there any are there new any are there any new initiatives for twenty twenty or twenty twenty one?
1: Um, well, thank you for asking about this, because this is probably um, one of the most proud moments for me being part of Avalon Waterways, has been able to share all of our efforts in sustainability. Uh, as a company, the Globus family of brands and Avalon has always been kind of quiet about our efforts um, until our partnership with Ocean Cleanup. And um, with that, we decided we needed to talk more about our efforts, especially because they matter so much to our guests. They matter a lot to um, uh, travel advisors, and they really matter a lot to our team, and it makes us really proud to work for this company. So we've been talking a lot more about them. Um, so we look at sustainability from um, three different angles. We look at environmental, we look at social, and we look at economics. So um, from an environmental standpoint, Ocean Cleanup is probably um, what what is one of our bigger efforts. Um, it's It started with... Um, a donation that we're making if guests choose to take electronic documents rather than printed documents, uh, that we would make a donation to the Ocean Cleanup and their efforts. And Ocean Cleanup, for those who aren't aware, it's a Dutch organization uh, where they have created this um, this system that it, it plans to clean the um, the Great Ocean uh, Garbage Patch in the Pacific within five years. Since that time, he has also invented now something um, that will be called the interceptor that can intercept the um, source of garbage going into the oceans, which comes from rivers. And so, um, these these units can be placed on the rivers that are the top contributors to um, the the plastic problem within the uh, within the oceans and um, intercept the plastic before it goes into the ocean. So there's some pretty cool work being done with that organization, and we wanted to support um, uh, support them. So that's that's ocean cleanup. Um, but there are a lot more things that are happening in terms of um, in terms of environmental. Uh, we we made the decision a few years ago to implement a screen system around our ships and we added a lot more um, video screens um, and we created our Avalon Go app, which allowed us to reduce paper use on board by about 80%. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're intending to reduce that even further in 2020 and 2021. Uh, The other big announcement that uh, is happening in 2020 is that we have removed single-use plastics completely from our offices and from our operations across all of our brands. So we don't have bottled water any longer on board. Our plastic stir-, stir sticks changed to wood. No more plastic laundry bags. Our little individual bottles of um, shampoo that uh, that we had on board are now larger, refillable. Um, still L'Occitane brand because that's something beloved by our guests and we didn't want to make a change. So we're still maintaining the same quality they expect but changing to a more environmentally friendly Um Version of it. So we've made um, we've made huge strides there, and our, our environmental um, sustainability is, um, story is very strong. We're also doing some kind of bigger things, uh, like testing some new filters that allow us to avoid um, or um, I guess avoids the best word uh, oil changes being as frequent, which uh, is great for the environment as well. And there are a lot of other. Uh, things on the technology side that are happening that n- aren't necessarily things guests will notice. Most of the things I talked about are more guest-facing, uh, but there are a lot of things we're doing uh, in behind the scenes as well to be more environmentally sustainable. Um, so, if I also want, I'd also like to talk a little bit about on the social side um, things that we do. So, we are partners with uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation um, through our brand monograms. We help grant wishes. Um, to children who are suffering from um, life-threatening diseases, we've we've been partnering with them for about ten years, and that's something that's really um, been one of the most fulfilling things for us as a company. We've also partnered with an organization called Landmine Design, and they are a um, Cambodian um, group. Uh, the village is based uh, is, is located right on the border with. Thailand, uh, in Cambodia. And it's a village that was um, basically ruined by landmines. And so the women living in this village had no way to support themselves and were at high risk for human trafficking. And a woman who uh, happens to live in Colorado, which is how we met her, um, found these, uh, came in contact with these women and has uh, worked with them to create a jewelry company. And they create these beautiful beads out of paper and turn them into beautiful jewelry. And so uh, a couple of years ago, we partnered with them and started buying our trade show gifts and launch gifts for um for our agent partners and for um, customers and started buying bracelets and things. So instead of buying pens, for example, um, we bought these beautiful bracelets and we figured that, um, you know, let's give away something that does good. And in our first year, we were able to employ 12 women in this village full time. Um, and, and it, with our next year's order, it increased to, uh, 24 women. And now through the Globus family brands orders, we're employing 28 women, uh, in this village full time. So it really was just a different way to think about promotional goods and how you buy them and, um, making a direct impact in these women's lives. Um, so there are a lot more, uh, examples, examples if somebody wants to kind of dig into what we do on our Avalon site, there's the Avalon cares section and you can read a lot more about it. Um, on the economic side, we focus, uh, I would say mostly on buying locally and, uh, and I won't get into too many details about it, but I'll talk, you know, very briefly about, uh, how we hire local guides. Obviously we actually hire local, um, coaches. So, uh, you know, one of the things that you won't see with Avalon are uh, branded coaches within every destination. They have a sign in the window, but um, we aren't—we don't hire coaches that follow our ships along the rivers uh, in, in order to have the branding that would be, and that's the way that you can do that. Instead, we hire local coaches in order to support the local community that we're, we're visiting if we need to use a motor coach for an excursion. Mm.
0: That also cuts down on fuel consumption as well, right? To not have
1: it does absolutely. Coach. So it's an environmental piece uh, of the story as well. I mean, so obviously it was something that we had to sacrifice. We made the decision that yeah. we could sacrifice having those beautiful signs and uh, you know that that look, but we made the decision that it was more important to to. Uh, build partnerships and support the local economies and um, and less environmental impact in that way.
0: I think that this is the one of the most comprehensive sustainability answers that I've gotten from any podcast interview that I've done thus far and I think that that speaks volumes to the initiatives in general and the fact that you're like Oh, well, there's way more go on the site. You know, it's it. I can tell that it's something that you're very passionate about, it's something that I'm very passionate about as well. It's like in this industry, we have to do whatever we can. And it's important to not only look at it as far as uh, fuel goes and plastic, but also to look at how you're affecting these communities that you're visiting. And and like you said, not mass ordering pens or T-shirts and instead supporting small businesses and being able to to pump money back into communities that need it is really just i i'm very i'm impressed and i'm very grateful that you were able to talk about all of that because it really does it speaks volumes it really does
1: well thanks and thanks for the platform to share it and um and I'm glad that it's something that uh, we're talking about a little bit more than we used to, because uh, it is important to so many people. And it, it obviously is something that I'm very passionate about. So <laughs> thanks for giving me the time to talk about So it.
0: sustainability and active and discovery are the two takeaways there you from go. today. Those are the things that get me excited, apparently. <laughs> and is there anything else that you feel like we haven't touched on? It's been, you know, long, but we had a lot to talk about. So if there's anything else.
1: Well, I mean, I guess the only other thing to talk about is the thing that's probably the hardest thing to put into words because it's a feeling. um, And people always, you know, want to know, well, what's what makes Avalon different? And I know we've touched on a couple of different things with Active Discovery and our approach to, you know, uh, sustainability, I think, is one thing that makes us different. But what I think is really different about Avalon is the feeling that people have when they're on board our ships and it's really hard to describe and we, we made up a, a you know, something that describes it called relaxed luxury. And I've had people describe the feeling that they have on board and how our crew makes them feel at home, how our crew makes them feel welcome, how their every need is taken care of with this real genuine care. Mm. Um, we don't have butlers standing over people with white gloves. Um, that just really isn't what Avalon travelers want. Um, they want genuine personalized service. And that's what we um, aim to deliver and deliver it in a little bit different of a way that's um that's luxurious, but just uh, in a more relaxed and casual um, type of, of environment that doesn't feel stuffy and pretentious. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I've described that in a way that uh, that describes the feeling that you get on board our ships. But that's, that's really what makes that different. And, uh, and as I said, it's, it's not that it's a, it's a lower level of service, it's just a different approach to it.
0: And to to fully understand that feeling, people will have to come on board and see for themselves, yes, yeah, so. absolutely I, well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. It's been great.
1: Well, I have enjoyed it, and I always enjoy talking to you and uh and also to Ralph, and I look forward to the next um the next uh webinar you guys are doing. I've been signing up for them as I'm learning a lot uh, and trying to take advantage of this. Uh, pause to, to, to learn more as well. So thanks very much for keeping those uh, lines of communication open for the industry. It's, it's a real service. So thank you. Oh, and thank you.
0: I really, I really appreciate it.